The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Chapter number three, and uh, we'll begin a series here this morning. As I mentioned earlier, this um, will begin. It'll be the beginning of this message here as uh, we jump into things here this morning, uh, mainly focusing on chap- on verse number twenty. Then, of course, we will conclude the message tonight as we conclude the, with verse number 21 as well. And so I do hope that you'll make plans to be here tonight as we uh, not only discuss these events here in uh, chapter 3 and verse number 20, but conclude it with verse number 21 and consider the, uh, the goals and the vision and the blessings that the Lord has given us over this uh, last uh, year and into the future as well. We'll read these two verses, we'll pray, and we'll jump right into things. So let's read in verse number 20 now. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for this, this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house here today. Uh, We do pray and ask that you just bless our time together in your word, that we would hear from you, that your spirit would guide us. Uh, Lord, do uh, a work that only you can do, that spirit speak through me. And Lord, I ask now that you would be on glorified through it. Help us to hear from you. Help us to see uh, your will accomplished here this morning. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we find here this book of Ephesians that we read the third chapter as it's outlined here in our Bibles. Was act, is we understand it's actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in his writings, of course. But as he's writing this letter, he's writing it specifically to the people of the church of Ephesus, a city there. Uh, and, and this church of Ephesus was actually pretty dear to Paul. It was an important church in Paul's ministry. Paul would spend roughly about three years with this church, uh, ministering, helping it get off the ground, helping to see believers uh, come to be, people become believers to be saved. And uh, in fact, the Bible gives us its its inception, if you wanted to put it that way, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter nineteen, we find the information of Paul's work and and this church, uh, its its birth and its beginnings. And we won't take time to go there and read it here this morning, but in chapter 19 and verse number 7 of the book of Acts, it tells us that this this church of Ephesus was started with just simply 12 people, 12 individuals uh, that uh, had a desire to just do what the Lord would have them to do, 12 individuals that just gave their heart to the Lord and said, Lord, however you would want to use us, we'd love for you to use us in that way. Uh, We're just yielding to your will. We're yielding to your service. We're yielding to do whatever you would have us to do and, uh, and whatever you would want to accomplish through us. Now, we have these 12 individuals as we read in the book of Acts chapter 19 and verse number 7. And although they were few in number, and although there wasn't uh, a, a great army behind it, we understand that, uh, that as we study throughout the Bible, throughout their faithful effort, through their yieldedness to the Spirit, they experienced an amazing blessing and they experienced amazing growth in that church as well. And knowing the success that Ephesus had experienced, Paul is desiring them to remain focused. He's hoping that they would not forget what brought them those blessings. He's hoping that they would not forget why they were experiencing the growth and the the events that were unfolding in their church and throughout their efforts for the Lord. He's hoping that they will not 
get their eyes on something different, but they'll stay focused on what they had focused on from the beginning. In our text here this morning in verses 20 and 21 of Ephesians 3, it remains as relevant today as it ever has in the world as, as well. This is not just some ancient writings from a couple of thousand years ago that has no influence or bearing on our world today. This is vitally important for this church even as we consider this day being Vision Sunday. Regardless of where you might be on your journey with the Lord, whether you've been in this thing for a long, long time and you're towards the end, whether maybe you're at the beginning stages, maybe you're here this morning, you don't even know Christ as your personal Savior, and you've yet to begin that journey. I want you to, you to hear me this morning as I say this, regardless of where you are in your journey with the Lord, we too must keep focused on the Lord. Just like Paul is encouraging the, the church of Ephesus here, that they stay focused on the thing that they started focused with. They, he, he says, stay focused on the Lord. And it's easy to allow various circumstances in our lives to, to get our focus off of what matters most. And my friends, when we get our eyes focused on, on the things of this world and the events that are unfolding in this world, possibly fears because of those events that are unfolding in this world, it's easy to get our eyes off of what matters most and for hindrances to be thrown into our way. The hindrances that we might experience when we get our vision off course, when we get our focus out of whack, they might result from the struggles that we experience. They might result from adversity. They might even result from perceived success within ministry. Because my friends, I'm here to tell you something. We've got, some, uh, we've got some construction work going on back here. We've start, just started a brand new ministry. And as a, a, with the military ministry and such, when a ministry is moving forward, it always brings New t uh, obstacles to have to face, new things to have to go through. So my friends, what I'm saying is when we get our eyes off of what matters most, hindrances can be found in our life. And regardless of where we are and what we're currently facing, we got to maintain our vision as we strive to focus on the Lord. Now, I know that I'm talking to a group of people that's diverse in its background and makeup here today. Some of you are, are, you know, have been at Mountain Vista longer than I've been here even. Some of you have been at this thing for a long, long time. Some of you are just starting off. Some of you come to everything that the church has. Every time the doors are open, you're here. Some of you only come to the Sunday morning service. All I'm here to tell you this morning is this, that regardless of where you're at, hear me now, regardless of where you're at this morning, regardless of what stage of life you're in, Regardless of your, where you're at in your journey with Christ, my prayer with this new theme of new heights is that for myself and for everyone that is, would call themselves a part of Mountain Vista Baptist Church, that the Lord would take you to someplace new this year than you were before. That He would take you to new heights in your relationship with Him. That He would take you to new heights in your service for Him. That He would take you to new heights in our witness for Him. That he take us to new heights in our relationships with other believers. And wherever it might be, I'm not here to tell you what that necessarily is in your life. But I'm praying that the Lord will take me and that he will take you to new heights this year. And as we consider that theme this morning, as our theme of 2022 to be new heights, I want to examine this what might be familiar portion of Scripture in verses 20 and 21 for us here this morning. 
But I want to examine as we think about taking our, 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 our relationship with Christ and where we're at with him to another level, to new heights. I want us to consider that this is a vision that ought to continue. A vision that ought to continue. And notice with me, number one, this morning, as we look at verse number 20, as I said, these first few points here, as we discuss this morning, will come directly out of verse number 20. And we'll come into verse number 21 tonight. But notice verse number 20 with me. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Number one, this morning, as we consider striving for new heights and allow, yielding ourselves to allow the Lord to bring us to new heights. And, that, and this being Vision Sunday, let me say this morning, number one, that the source of our vision is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. See, in these previous verses before verses 20 and 21, all through the beginnings of chapter 3, through chapter 1 and 2 as well, the Apostle Paul has spent considerable time describing the happy condition of this church in the church of Ephesus, considering the blessings that they've experienced. It's almost as if you could say that even though he's writing, the Apostle Paul is holding his own vision Sunday. Because like we'll do tonight, we'll look back on the blessings of the Lord from this past year and, and years to before and look forward to the future. That's how the Apostle Paul begins this letter to, to the church of Ephesus. He begins considering all the blessings that they had experienced. But he reminds them that these blessings were not given by accident. These blessings they were experienced were not just happenstance or an afterthought. But these blessings and the things that they experienced specifically concerning salvation was actually a deliberate plan and action of God himself. Listen, it was not by chance that God so loved the world. It was not by chance that before the foundations of this world began that God had chose for Christ to be the lamb slaughtered for all men. This was a plan, this was an action that God had put in the place even before you and I ever took a breath, my friends. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus of this fact as well. I'd like to give you a brief summary of a reminder of the, some of the truths that Paul has already shared through this book of, Ephesus, or book of Ephesians. I'm sorry. In chapter 1 and verse number 4, he tells the church of Ephesus that they were chosen in Christ before the foundations of the world. In chapter 1 and verse number 11, he said that they were predestined to be with him in heaven and whenever this life would end. He's saying that as a believer, it is already God's plan from the get-go that when you trust Christ as your Savior, your eternity will be settled in heaven. In chapter 1 and verse number 14, he said that the church, to the church of Ephesus that they were secure in their salvation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had given them a guarantee of purchasing them. In chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4, he said that they were, had once been dead in their trespasses and sins, but now they were brought out of death into life by God's amazing grace. In chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, he said that they were saved by God's grace and even seated with him in heavenly places already. In chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he said that all that they would do in Jesus was, and all that they would receive through Jesus was not because they deserved it but because God had extended his grace unto them. In chapter 2 and verse number 10, he said that uh, they were people that had been made useful and even usable to God through the grace and power of the Lord Jesus. In chapter 2 verses 1, or, I'm sorry, chapter 2 verses 12 through 18, he said that they were people who had at one time been separated from God because of depravity and because of sin, but yet they had been brought near to him by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
In chapter 2, verses 13 through 18, he said that they were once, one time, aliens from God. And everything that they had, uh, they were aliens to everything that they had to do with him as well. But now they had received God's grace as he reached out to them in grace and had brought them to himself through grace unto salvation. In verse number 19, he says that they were fellow citizens, that they were also family. In verses 20 through 21, he says that they are his temple. In verse number 22, he said that they were the body. And in case there was any doubt, Paul is again reminding this church of Ephesus of their desperate need of God. He's saying, listen, guys, I was there at the beginning. I was there when this whole thing started. There was only 12 of us that helped st- that, that this thing kicked off with. And there's been some great blessings. There's been, I mean, salvation has been brought to you. You were alienated from God, but now you're brought near to him. You were uh, dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you're alive. You are now fellow citizens with Christ in heaven. You are now the, in the family of God. Your body is the temple. You are the body of Christ. He's speaking of all these terms and talking about all the great and wonderful things they received in God through all that he had done for them. But he says, in case you've forgotten... In case you haven't caught the point already, let me remind you that all of those things that you're experiencing are because they are given to you by God. And let me remind you that if you expect to experience anything good in the future as well, it's going to be because it came from God. He alone is the strength, and He alone is our wisdom. He had provided for the redemption as he had died upon the cross. He was the one who rose triumphantly over the grave. He was the one who brought justification and eternal life into their their life. See, all the blessings that they enjoyed were from the Lord. And what Paul is saying is if you are going to remain vibrant in ministry, if you are going to continue to see God working through you, if you're going to continue to see you be yourself being used as a tool, as an instrument, as a vessel in which God is orchestrating and accomplishing His work and His will. It's not going to be because you've taken your eyes off of Him, but it's going to be because you keep your vision focused on Him. And my friends, I share all of that this morning because we too must be aware of our dependency on the Lord. We must be aware that we desperately need Him. Because just like Paul said to the church of Ephesus, we too today must realize that He alone provides the resources we need to continue to do what we are currently even engaged in. He alone is the one that is able to bring to fruition anything that we would want and desire to accomplish for Him in the future. See, were it not for the Lord's strength and for His provision, we'd have nothing to boast in. That's Paul's words. He says, I boast in nothing, but I glory only in the cross. Every blessing that we enjoy comes because of His gracious hand. And every victory that we'll experience is a result of God's grace and His favor. I'm here to tell you something this morning, my friends. Any of the blessings, any of the growth that Mountain Vista has experienced is not a result of our team's wisdom. Is not a result of our team's you know, effort to put something together and put something that uh, kind of uh, is uh, useful for somebody's life or kind of attracts people to this. No, the only thing that is accomplishing anything of, of any worth is the Lord's doing. See, were it not for Christ, we would remain desperately hope, hopeless. Were it for, not for Christ, we would be, as they say, as a, walking around as a chicken with its head cut off. We would have no direction. And we must never 
forget that the source of our vision has to be Christ. See, if we, if we put our focus, we're going to talk about this tonight, my friends. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Tonight, we're going to talk about things we hope to accomplish in the future. But if we, if we put our vision and focus only on what we want to accomplish, we're going to be messed up. We're going to miss out. Because, my friends, that construction project that's currently going on, the expansion we want to do in the future, the different programs that we want to implement and all that, they are only accomplished through the Lord's work and through His power. And so when we take our eyes off of Him and put Him on those things, when we take our eyes off Him and put Him on people, when we take our eyes off of Him and put Him on progress or process, we're doing exactly what Paul was warning against. We must remember that the Lord is the source of our vision. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. In Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. This morning, I want you to notice with me that, number one, the source of our strength is the Lord. But number, or the source of our vision is the Lord. But number two, notice with me the strength of our vision. Look at verse number 20 again. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. See, in our world today, we look to ourselves so often. We look to others so often to be able to accomplish and to do this or that. There's people in the world that rely on our government to be able to take care of them and to provide for them. There are people in this world that look to their own wisdom and their own thoughts and their own ideology to be able to accomplish what they think is important. And in fact, I mean, we, 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 we kind of put a little bit too much emphasis on ourselves at time, don't we? Uh, I was watching a, a show last night uh, with my family, and there was, it was a recap of some of the best toys that were released in the 1980s. And uh, it kind of struck a chord with me as I was born right there in the middle of that uh, time frame and such. And uh, how many of you know the name He-Man? Anybody remember that name? Okay, several of you remember that. I had some of those toys when I was growing up. And uh, of course, He-Man and his arch enemy Skeletor and all those types of things. And, and I mean, I was watching that. They were talking about how the, the toy company wanted, I think it was Mattel, if I'm not mistaken, wanted to make, you know, something that really caught the masculinity and manlyhood uh, uh, of that day. And so they, they made He-Man. In fact, a little known, a little known fact, but uh, they actually modeled He-Man after me. Um, that you, I know the suit kind of covers it up. You can't tell it right away, but nevertheless... Uh, but what I'm saying is we sometimes just look to self, we look to, to, we think we have the ability and the strength. And as I was considering the, sort, the strength of our vision, it, it made me think of the three men that were out on a camping trip and hiking through the forest. And man, they had made their way deep into the forest on their trek and they were having just a wonderful time until they came to the riverbank of this this pretty wide river, and the, the current was rushing pretty fastly down the, down, the, uh, down the way there. And so they're scratching their heads and said, man, we've come this far. We can't go back now. We've got to figure out how to get across. 
And they were talking about all the things that they could do and how they could accomplish getting across to the other side. And they said, man, we've, we've, we have done a lot up to this point, but maybe we ought to turn to God and ask for his help. So the first man, he went to prayer and he started to pray unto God. He says, hey, God, if you'd hear me, would you please uh, give me the strength to be able to cross this river? And he said, amen. As soon as he said amen, his arms grew 10 times their size. His legs grew 10 times their size. He dove into the river and he had the strength to swim across the river. Uh, It took him about two hours and he almost only drowned four times, uh, but he finally made it across. Now, the second individual was standing there, and he was watching all of this taking place, and he said, man, that looked like a lot of work, and I know God provided for that, so maybe, maybe if I pray differently, I'll be able to get across quicker and without as much uh, incident. And so he prayed this prayer. He said, God, would you please give me the strength and the tools to cross the river? As soon as he said amen, poof, his arms grew 10 times the size, but then there was a rowboat that was right there on the bank. So he got in the rowboat, grabbed the oar, and he started to paddle across. This time, it only took him about an hour and 15, hour and a half or so to get across. He got across a little quicker than the other guy who swam, and he only only almost capsized once, and so it was a little less incident. The third man's now on the other side still watching his friends that have just passed across, and he said, all right, well, it's my turn, and And so he said, God, would you please give me the strength, would you give me the tools, and would you give me the intelligence to cross the river? And as soon as he said amen, poof, God turned him into a woman. (laughs) He grabbed the map, walked a couple yards down the, the river, and crossed over the bridge that was already there and met his friends on the other side. Now, I thought your women would like that here this morning. But when we think about our own strength and our own abilities, let me tell you, Paul, as he's writing here in Ephesians, he well understood the limitations of both men and women. Let me put it this way. He understood the limitations of humanity. I believe that many of us desire to be able to accomplish certain things for the Lord, but we just feel like we don't have the ability to perform the tasks. See, I believe the church of Ephesus, uh, I believe they had uh, the desire to do even more than they've ever done for Christ, but they just, in their flesh, in their fleshly bodies, lacked the strength and the wisdom to accomplish all that was needful. Many of a believer desires to see great things among their church, but are unable to accomplish it themselves. But Paul writes this here this morning. Look at verse number 20 again. Now unto him. Not unto the church. Not unto those that make up the church. Not unto the pastor. Not unto the deacons. Not unto the teachers. Not unto the ushers. Not unto the people that, uh, that uh, greet folks. Not, uh, not unto the parking lot team. Not to those that are in nursery. Thank God for them this morning. Praise God that uh, we have someone taking care of the screaming babies in here. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, uh, but not unto them, that, that's not where it come, the strength lies, unto him, our Lord. And Paul encouraged the church to recognize this one thing, that they were not responsible to provide for and sustain the church alone. But the strength to do that was found in Christ. Now, he uses us, my friends. Don't, get, don't, don't misunderstand me this morning. He wants to pick us up. He wants to use us just like the carpenter uses a hammer 
Just like the mechanic turns a wrench, just like the baker uses the rolling pin, he wants to use us as that tool, but the strength is not in of ourselves. Just like the hammer doesn't swing itself. Just like the wrench doesn't turn itself. Just like the rolling pin doesn't roll itself. It only works when it's in the hand of the master. And my friends, that's what, what Paul is trying to encourage us to recognize this morning. That where we are weak, where we are lacking, the Lord is strong and he is able. And this ought to offer us great comfort and assurance this morning. I read the story that on October 15th of 1997, a man named David Huxley strapped a harness around his upper torso, attached a steel cable to the back of it. It was about, the length of it was, the cable was about 15 yards long or so, and he attached the other end to the um, front wheel strut of a 747 jetliner. This jetliner weighed roughly 187 tons. He got himself in the position, leaned forward, pulled all the slack out of that cable, planted his feet, and he began to pull with all of his might. And to the astonishment of the crowd that was there that day, he began moving the jetliner down the runway. He pulled that 747 that weighed 187 tons at a distance of 100 yards in about a minute and 21 seconds. Pretty impressive, right? However, though, let me state this this morning, that that 747 jetliner resembles God's work. Because if you were to have booked a ticket on that 747 jetliner to leave, let's just say it was in Los Angeles, and you wanted to get to New York, and it took him a minute and 21 seconds to go 300 feet, it's going to take you a long while to reach your final destination. See, just like you won't move that 747 very far without the help of the power that's inside the engine, we won't accomplish very much for the Lord without the power source, which is He Himself. See, I realize that if we are going to depend on my efforts for this church to move forward, if I, I realize that if we're going to depend on only the efforts of this congregation for this church to reach its potential, then we are going to be falling short of reaching that goal. But thankfully, the church does not rise and fall on my ability. The church does not rise and fall on your ability, my friends. I'm not trusting in the strength and wisdom of myself or even others. I'm resting in the supernatural ability of our Lord and Savior. If the Lord is in it, He will perform it. If the Lord has brought you to it, He's going to bring you through it. In Romans 4 and 21, it says, And being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. In Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we've noticed the source of our vision. Secondly, we've noticed the strength of our vision. But before we close this morning, notice lastly, for today, this is just the foundation, just the beginnings of this message. You'll need to be here tonight for the, the, final, the final of it. But number three, notice the sufficiency of our vision. In verse number 20, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the church of Ephesus faced any challenges in its day? 
Absolutely it did. Do you think our church today faces any challenges? Absolutely, no doubt. No doubt many in the church of Ephesus desired great things from the Lord. And I believe we have a congregation of people that desire great things from the Lord as well. I believe the church of Ephesus faced great needs and had countless needs that would, by man's reason, seem impossible to be able to accomplish in the reach. I'm going to tell you this morning that our church has plenty of needs that honestly, by man's estimation, is probably a little impossible. I'll tell you this for sure, that just like the church of Ephesus, our church can't change a man's heart. Just like the church of Ephesus, our church can't deliver someone from sin. Just like the church of Ephesus, our church can't heal broken lives. Just like the church of Ephesus, our church can't offer unquestionable wisdom. But I do know one who can. I do know the Lord that can. Yes, the challenges that we face might be daunting. And we might have doubt and despair in certain circumstances and situations when we solely rely upon our own abilities. But Paul is not encouraging the church to rely upon their abilities or even the apostles' abilities. But he is encouraging them to rest in the sufficiency of Christ. See, he's able to accomplish more than we could even possibly dream of. Notice what the Bible says. He is able. The Bible says it clearly. That word able means that to be capable, to be strong, to be powerful. And the Bible tells us that our God, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18, that our God is the one who possesses all power in heaven and in earth. But have you ever questioned, have you ever asked the question, why is God able? What, if we're not, then what makes God able? Let me say a few things this morning before we close. God is able because He is the God of creation. The Bible tells us clearly in Colossians 1 and 16 and 17, as we mentioned earlier, it said that by Him all things consist. He's the one who spoke this world into existence. When He said, let there be light, there was light. When, there, when, when, when He said that a man should walk upon the earth and every living and, and creeping thing and such, it was so. And He looked at it and He said, it was good. Friends, he spoke it into existence. He's the God of creation. Why is he able? Because he's the God of revelation as well. Ephesians 1 and 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath provided, I'm sorry, purposed in himself. The reason why he's able is because he's the God of salvation. In Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's able because he's the God of resurrection. The Bible tells us in Revelation 1 and 18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. He's able because he's the God of manifestation. Notice what the Bible says in Jeremiah 32 and 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 40 and verse number 12 that he just stretched out his finger and he made the world, made the universe. And as I mentioned earlier in Genesis 1 and 3, it says that he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And Paul is pointing out here this morning that God is able to do all of those marvelous things that I've just mentioned right there and more. 
He's able to do all of that that we've just discussed. I mean, astonishing, mind-blowing things, and he's able to do even more than that. And if he's able to do all of that, and he's able to do more than all of that, then think about all the blessings and and the accomplishments that he could do through us. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 that he's able to empower us. For you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost hath come upon you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 19 that he's able to, he is able to enable us to know his love. Look at verse number 19. It should be right there if you have your Bible open still. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be fulfilled, might be filled, I'm sorry, with all the fullness of God. He's able to help us, to make us to know the love of God. In Romans 5 and 5, it says that he's able to take, he's able to enable us to share and show that same love to others as well. The Bible tells us he's able to enable us to know him and to grasp who he is and all that he's done for us in Christ. God is able, my friends. He's sufficient. Because able means capable, powerful, strong. Isn't that something we should praise him for? Isn't that something we should yield, someone we should yield our lives to? But my friends, the Bible doesn't stop there. Paul, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says he is able to do exceeding. The word exceeding means to surpass, to go beyond any request, to overcome and do anything. So not only is he able, but his ability is abundant as well as the scripture says. Now he says to do abundantly. That word abundantly means to overflow and to do more than enough. And Paul says that God is able to do exceeding, surpassing, abundantly, that is more than enough. And the phrase exceeding abundantly simply could be understood to mean this. God goes above and beyond. For the children here today, to steal a phrase from Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. But what I'm saying this morning, he's got the ability, his ability is abundant. And God's ability exceeds the lengths to which our minds could even comprehend. His ability goes beyond the limits of what we can ask. If you looked at verse number 20, you could kind of consider it to be like a pyramid that builds upon itself downward. It says, first off, that he is able. He's able to do. He's able to do exceeding abundantly. He's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask. He's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And just continues to build and to grow. Now listen, there's no question in my mind, there's no question in my mind that believers believe that God is able. I don't, I don't, I don't question that. I know that if you know Christ here this morning, you believe that he is able. But unfortunately, I'm sad to say that too many fall short of experiencing what he wants to do in their life. Because of resting in his ability, his exceeding abundant ability, we rely on self too often and therefore never reach the potential he desires to accomplish in us. He's able to do above, it says. That's to go over and above, to beyond any need. Christ is able to do above all that we ask or think. Will you just consider that for a moment? I know I, you're, you're sitting here, and, and I know some of you are sitting here saying, man, I thank God that, we're, that we have a God that does that. And, and, and you're going to walk away from this this morning 
and you're going to say, that's good, and never actually apply it. And that's where the message goes tonight. That's where, the, where this thing finishes up this evening. But what I'm saying is, would you just consider for a moment all that the Lord could do? All that the Lord desires to do? I'm, cer- I'm certain there's been occasions in life when we've all desired, we had the best of intentions, intentions to accomplish something. But you know what they say about intentions, right? They're like armpits. Everybody has them, and most of the time they stink. I'm sure we've all been there. We've had the best of intentions to do something, but it just didn't follow through with it. Let me tell you, that's never the case with our Lord. What He wills happens, and what He desires will come to pass. The question is, is who is He going to use to do it? He might have a desire to accomplish his will through you, and you not yield. His will is going to be accomplished regardless, but we might miss out on him using us because we've not yielded to him. Remember what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him unfathomable. So I want to close with some application here this morning, I guess you could say, for just this foundation of the message, and ask you a question. Are you maybe burdened for a loved one? Maybe burdened for a coworker? Maybe burdened for a friend? Do you have maybe a desire to continue to grow in your relationship with God? Maybe the desire to see this church continue to do more for him in this particular region and even across the world through missions. Maybe the Lord's working in your heart and he's seeming to be leading you down a path that to you seems impossible. See, through our abilities, each of these things I've just discussed, yeah, they're unattainable. But remember, through Christ, nothing is impossible. So my question is, if you have those burdens, if you have that desire, if you feel the Lord working in your life, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to yield to Him? Are we going to allow Him to work, in, work His will through us? Or are we just going to continue on our own path and do our own thing? I want to submit to you this morning that I believe we ought to dream big spiritually and trust the Lord to provide. And my friends, I mentioned at the beginning of this message that it doesn't matter where you're at on your journey, whether it's at the end, you're at the beginning, or even if you've never started. Maybe you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. But I said for all of us, it didn't matter where we were. What, for all of us, what mattered was that we kept our vision on the Lord. Now, if you're here and you don't know Christ, why it's so important for you to keep your vision on the Lord is because you need to see Him as Savior. You need to come to Him and trust Him as your personal Savior today. And if you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you've never been, as the Scripture puts it this way, never been born again. Nicodemus had the question about that. He said, what do you mean be born again? Am I going to enter into my mother's womb a second time and be reborn? And, And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. And if you're here and you've never had a time where you've called upon Jesus, as Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If there's never been a time where you've called upon Jesus as your personal Savior, let me ask you, put your eyes on Him. 
See him as the Savior that came to die for you. See him as the Savior that loves you and gave himself for you. And call out to him today and trust him as your personal Savior. Would you stand to your feet with me, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning? With no one looking around, I was just respect of others here this morning. I wonder how many would say, Pastor, if I die today, I know for certain that I'm saved. I know that heaven's my home. And I know that Christ is my personal Savior. Could I just rejoice with you through that? Slip your hand up and write back down as a testimony saying, I know that I'm saved. I know that I have a home in heaven. I praise God for that. Would there be anyone here this morning, just be honest enough to say, Pastor, honestly, you know what? If I die today, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure that heaven's my home, that Christ is my personal Savior. Now, I can't save you. I can't do anything for you except for pray that the Lord would convict you of your need of Him, that He would give you the strength and the, the faith to be able to trust Him as your Savior today. But if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, please pray for me, I'm not sure that I know Christ as my personal Savior, that heaven's my home, would you also just slip your hand up and write back down so I can pray for you? Anybody like that here this morning? Then one last question. My friends, I have already discussed this. I have already stated this this morning, that my prayer is that for myself and for this congregation, that the Lord would allow us and bring us to new heights in Him. Now, that, that goal, that vision that we have to accomplish that is only going to be accomplished if our vision is where it ought to be. We've seen the source of our vision, the Lord. We've seen the strength of that vision. That's the Lord as well. What's going to make it happen to be accomplished? The, the sufficiency of it, the Lord. So here, who here, as that's my heart's desire for myself and for you today, who here would also join with me and say, Pastor, I'm here to tell you I'm praying with you as you pray with me. That I'm asking the Lord to put my, keep my vision on him, that we might be able to allow him to bring us to new heights in him this year so long as he tarries. Could I pray with you? Slip your hand up and write back down. Hands all across this auditorium. If that truly is your heart here this morning, I'm praying, I'm inviting you to go to the Lord in prayer today. Give your heart to him. You Give your will over to him. Yield to him this morning and say, uh, say Lord, this, I, I want what you want. I want to, you to accomplish your will in my life. Take me to new heights. I'm yielding to you today. I'm praying that prayer. I'm praying that prayer for you. I hope that you'll pray that prayer for yourself and that you'll pray that prayer for me as well. And if you're willing to do that, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar here this morning if you're able. Maybe right there in your seat, if you're unable to kneel, you'll just call out to the Lord and give him your heart today. But I'm going to pray. And then, Brother Matt, if you play some music from the back, after I'm back from when I'm done praying, and uh, then I'm going to invite you to go to the Lord here this morning. Our Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for these words that the Apostle Paul wrote under your, underneath your inspiration to be able to be an encouragement not only to that church in Ephesus in that day, but an encouragement to us as believers today as well. That you are able. You are able to do, and you're able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now, Lord, would you allow us, would you just help us to surrender, to yield, and submit to you today, that your will might be accomplished through us. If there is anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, help them to see their need of you. Help them to catch that vision, that glimpse of you as the 
Savior of this world. They might turn to you today before it's eternally too late. Have you will your way to this invitation? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music begins to play this morning, if the Lord spoke in your heart and you'd like to come, you're welcome here at the front or right there maybe in your seat. You call out to the Lord as he's spoken to your heart today. We won't take a long time here this afternoon before we dismiss.